That Europe finds itself at the front of the storm is not something new. The world of tomorrow will be a different place. It's good that Europe is ambitious in climate policy. We should be ambitious but also realistic. Our task is to learn to live within the boundaries Mother Earth has given us. Only united we can defend our values, we can protect the interests of our citizens. Hello there and welcome to Citizen Central, the podcast series about the first transnational democracy instrument in the world, the European Citizens Initiative. Celebrating its 10th anniversary in 2022, the ECI gives people the chance to pitch their own EU policies to the European Commission by gathering 1 million signatures from seven EU states. My name is Manix Rakartikawi and on Citizen Central I'll be finding out how the ECI works, how you can launch or support an initiative and what drives people to give up their time and energy for a cause they care deeply about. In today's episode we will kick off in Brussels where Omar Perez is asking the Commission to create a European scheme of plastic bottle return compensation with his ECI Return the Plastics. Then we will head over to Berlin to meet Brigitte Hartmann who with her ECI the Green VAT is asking the Commission for a tax improvement plan for sustainably produced goods. Plastic is everywhere, probably a top reason for the first ECI we will discover in today's chapter. Omar Perez, thanks for joining us on Citizen Central and please tell us a little bit more about yourself. Thank you very much, Manix. Big pleasure to be here. My name is Omar Perez. I'm representing the Return to Plastics Initiative. And the main motivation is the current state of plastic pollution and how it's affecting not only the environment, but also our everyday life with the presence of microplastics and the mismanagement management of plastic in general. So what are you asking the European Commission for? The implementation of an EU-wide deposit system to recycle plastic bottles and to install these reverse vending machines pretty much in all supermarkets that will allow uh, consumers to bring their plastic bottles to the supermarkets, just like introduce them in these machines and just to get uh, a little voucher out of it. Omar, why plastic bottles? We start with the bottles, especially PET bottles, because the technology for the recycling of the bottles is already more mature than the recycling of other types of packaging. Proving the concept that plastic recycling can be done in this way and can have a positive impact would be enough evidence to extend it to other types of plastic packaging. Some of our listeners might be a little surprised because this type of scheme currently exists in some member states, right? Well, it does exist in Germany and it exists in Sweden and in the Netherlands. It's proven to be very successful. The recycling rates of plastic have been going up. Consumers are very happy with just like the value that they're getting our plastic. Our question is simple. Why we don't grab that great idea that is already working and really expand it all across Europe? And that would be beneficial for us as consumers, but even to producers in terms of compliance with the single-use plastics directive. Omar, this will obviously entail a cost. So who should pay for this? 
What we are suggesting here is just like the polluter should pay. In this case, it would be the producers of plastic that should allocate money for paying. That also will encourage the producers to shift their packaging strategy to something a little bit cheaper or something a little bit more sustainable. But just like this voucher will encourage a more kind of a circular economy towards the recycling of plastic. And that's that's very interesting. How has the campaign kicked off? The campaign has started earlier this year. We have learned many things in terms of crafting our communication, in terms of like getting our message out there. We are a group of friends that believe we should fight plastic pollution. And for us to get involved in an initiative like this, to get the institutional support, but also from all like-minded organizations, is has been a great experience. And uh, yeah, we're going to carry on working towards the million and we're going to keep getting our message out there. What would you tell opposers or people that simply don't care? To people that they don't care, they usually care more about the pragmatic facts of like, what what is this for me? I think that highlighting the value that people can get out of returning the plastic while uh, contributing to plastic pollution and the environment is a message that can reach the heads and the hearts of the people that, that might not care. I remember such a scheme in Spain from my childhood and it no longer exists. So what does the ideal future look like? Well, the ideal future for us is uh, people actively collecting these plastic bottles because they know they can can return them. On your particular story, you were very happy just to carry this plastic to the to the supermarket because you knew with 10 plastic bottles would give you enough to buy you an ice cream. Regardless of the, the contribution you made towards re- the recycling back in the day, you had that in your head. You knew that you saw a plastic bottle and you knew it was good to take it to a certain place to get something out of it. And I think that this is an idea future for us is to have the consumer actively recycle those plastic bottles to return the plastics and to get value out of it. Congratulations on the initiative. It is a very clear demand and best of luck with a signature collection. Thank you very much, Manex. That's exactly what we're driving for. As Omar was mentioning, such schemes exist in some member states. That's why now we will head over to Lithuania, not known to be a big recycling country till such a scheme was introduced. Rasa Tumashevichute, thanks for joining us on Citizen Central. Thank you so much, Manex. It's a really big, big pleasure to participate. Please tell us more about yourself. I am a young researcher. Actually, I'm working with policymaking in Lithuania, uh, but uh, my main topics are circular economy, plastics economy, green growth and organic waste. So, Rasa, how did Lithuania become a collecting and recycling nation? What, what are you meaning when you are telling recycling? Because we're talking mostly about collecting. Because uh, uh, when we talk about plastic collecting, we have like really amazing deposit return system uh, for pet bottles. And uh, it's around 15% of whole plastic packaging, which comes in our economy, in our country. Uh, so basically, I think it's not enough. <laughs> we need more. <laughs> you know, you are just trying to seek more. All, all the time. But still, there is lack of recycling plants. And for example, from deposit return system, uh, we are moving uh, our pet bottles uh, to recycle not in Lithuania, but to another European Union country. So ideally, what are the next steps, Rasa? Probably we have to open up, you know, recycling plants. 
because it will be harder to calculate those things after 2023 because the European Commission uh, actually uh, created new rules how to calculate uh, recycling numbers and it will be uh, counted only if your collected uh, packaging will uh, go straight to the recycling plan. But yeah, we have a really good collecting system and the pet bottles, they're really clean. So basically it's really easy to recycle them. How did this scheme arrive in Lithuania? People didn't recycle, like, uh, they didn't do this <laughs> because it wasn't really important, you know, in Lithuania. Then we introduced it, like, six years ago, a uh, deposit return uh, scheme. Different cans, bottles, uh, glass bottles, not only plastics. And, and it was, like, a 10 cent per uh, one packaging. So, basically, I don't know, maybe Lithuania, we have this, you know, we don't like to waste our money. Uh, everyone has, like, a, some kind of spot in their apartments where they collect bottles and then they move into the shops and they just uh, drop it to the machine and uh, getting some kind of uh, check and uh, and you're getting back your, your 10 cents and yeah it's clean you know did it have a lot of pushback supermarkets try to refuse that because it's so expensive we have to buy machines we have to create system it was a huge push they didn't like to do that but uh, we had public opinions and so uh, supermarkets were forced to participate and to do that. Andrasa, how is this paid for? Last summer I went to our deposit return system administration and it's enough money, you know. It's enough to support the whole system. When you are selling, because you are selling, you know, your things uh, which you collect, they're clean. Everyone needs them because they're clean, you know. It's impossible, you know, to get a clean uh, pet uh, from your just recycling bin because it will be uh, with some kind of waste residues and so on, you know. And uh, we're getting uh, a lot of changes after a single-use plastic directive. We just have to use, you know, uh, some kind of recycled material, for example, pet, uh, to use it uh, for new bottles production. In your opinion, what should be the best way forward? Maybe we will implement some kind of product passports what means that you will know from what exactly your plastic packaging is made. So basically, when it goes to the market, you know how it will end up. So had you heard of the ECI before I called you? Yes, you're like finding people who are thinking the same as you. When we're talking about some kind of environmental topics, people always feel like, oh, I'm doing this alone. I need. I, I don't know if anyone is doing the same. And I think that it's a good way to do that. Okay, so you'll be signing, right? Yeah, for sure. I will go to sign the petition. Thank you so much for joining us on Citizen Central. Thank you so much, Manex. Actually, I'm really happy that we can have this kind of podcast and we can share uh, citizens' opinions and uh, make things which we want to do and to create a better society and better environment for all Europeans. Our regular listeners know we love to gather citizen opinions on every topic we touch. So now we head over to the Netherlands to meet a marketing professor who knows a lot about recycling psychology. My name is Jenny van Doorn. I'm a professor in services marketing at the University of Groningen. And I've been doing research on sustainability for quite a while. Many people think that we marketeers are there to make People buy stuff they don't need, right? So we basically contribute to uh, destroying the world. Well, if marketing is so powerful as a discipline to make people buy what they don't need, then perhaps we can also steer people towards uh, more sustainable behavior. And that's basically my motivation. 
I did a study where we looked at cookies versus uh, plastic bottles. So we had people eat food in the lab and they could either trash it in a container where the remains would be used to power the local bus that went to the airport and was powered on food waste. If they think it powers the bus, they're not only uh, wasting more, but also feel good about it. We found the same effect for plastic bottles. If they are told that the plastic bottles are reused or recycled into clothing, they rather pick the plastic bottles over the glass. I think it's a good initiative because, I mean, the plastic mountain is not going to level off anytime soon, right? So something needs to happen to make us aware of plastic and make us also use less plastic. So what you see now all around are these initiatives where uh, plastic bottles are turned into clothing or old bread is turned into beer. And what we found in our research is that if your waste is turned into something useful, like a sweater or like even more useful beer, that can make people feel good about recycling making them less cautious on avoiding waste and in that sense even use more plastic. So yes, it's great if plastic packaging is brought back to the retailer, but it's much better if you, for instance, are able to bring your own containers from home and fill them with whatever you need, right? And I think that that's very important. It's always better to avoid waste, always better to avoid plastic. So that recycling can only be the second best thing. Make it easy for people to avoid waste. Now we will continue speaking of sustainability from a totally different angle. So let's meet Brigitte Hartmann, a taxing specialist on a mission to make sustainable consumption more accessible with her ECI The Green VAT. Um, I'm Brigitta. I'm from Berlin and I'm working for a um, fintech company um, regarding the yeah, filings of uh, tax returns in VAT. So, Brigitte, what is Green VAT based on? There have been a lot of people in the past that have been environmentally conscious and um, would have liked to um, buy more sustainably produced products, but everybody knows that they are more expensive. So what we demand from the ECI is that the European Commission, they um, oblige all the member states within the EU uh, that they implement uh, tax reductions for organic, sustainably produced or environmentally friendly products in Europe. Brigitte, for what product categories is this ECI? For all products that you can think of, for food as well as for clothes or uh, washing machines or cars. Every product that is produced in a sustainably way um, that, uh, yeah, this product should be tax reduced. So instead of speaking to the hearts, you're speaking to the pockets. If we would uh, have reduced uh, VAT rates for these products, then people would start to think twice what product they would buy, you know. If a sustainable product is the same amount that a conventional product is, then uh, they think, okay, why shouldn't I buy the sustainable product? And uh, I can also do something just with my um, behavior in shopping, you know. By that, we would have like a social economic turnaround within the society. So people would start to include this in their thoughts when they think of buying products. It makes me think, Brigitte, if this is an ECI for the people or an ECI for the industries. What we hope 
is that also the economic uh, will start to see this and start to maybe change their way of producing or invest more in research or change their product and change their production to more environmentally friendly production. And um, this is what we what we hope um, will the initiative initiate. There are many types of environmental taxes. So how do you think this should be implemented? In the end, the 27 member states of the EU, they are responsible for implementing this law. But the way of how they will do it, this is their decision, you know. And maybe some states would also say that they raise the VAT for conventional products. And in the end, they would even be more expensive. So in a way, you're empowering sustainability through tax. I hope that more people will be aware that everybody can make a change, that every decision they do matters and um, that everybody wants to care about the world, you know. We all have this one planet and we all have to live on this one planet and we have a lot of problems on this planet. It makes me think that this could also be a great way of measuring real greenness of goods. Governments, uh, they would have to check their products if they fulfill all the um, regulations, make up to classify products if they are sustainable or not, if they could have uh, tax reductions or not. And if this is done, I think this is just one big process. But if this process is accomplished, then it would just be it, you know. So I think consumers would only have to make the decision in the end, what, what am I buying? What would you tell companies or people that oppose your ECI? First, a lot of companies already have taken sustainability in account. Also, big companies took that into their marketing and everybody is trying to get green at the moment, you know. On the other hand, if consumers say, I don't care about it, uh, I don't care about climate change, I don't believe in it, whatever, they could still buy whatever they want, you know, because for them nothing would change. So I think you don't have to start an argument with them because they can still do whatever they want. Brigitte, it is a really interesting approach. Best of luck and thank you so much for joining us on Citizen Central. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. Sustainability touches so many fronts. That is why we now head to Sweden to meet a professor, an industry advisor on sustainable transformation and policy. Frederick, thanks for joining us on Citizen Central. Thank you very much. Please tell us a little more of who you are and what you do. Well, my name is uh, Fredrik Andersson. I'm an associate professor in uh, economics at Lund University, which is in uh, southern Sweden. I do research primarily on climate change, climate change linked to industry and policy questions, which type of policies we need to achieve a transition. Frederick, taxing has been a very effective tool in environmental policy, but could tax be used as a compensatory tool for sustainably produced goods? If you take environmental policies, the common starting point is that if you pollute, you pay. So we have carbon taxes, we have European emissions trading system to put the price on carbons, and there are the environmental taxes as well. So you're sort of trying to do that to, to some extent. You can, of course, always go further. There's always this idea that maybe we should tax pollution much more, unsustainable practices much more, and, and reduce taxes on, on labor. That will work in the short term, but it will not work in the long term. If the idea is that we're going to go from 
unsustainable to sustainable. Once you reach the sustainable, you don't have a tax base. So it could be a part of it, but it has to be thought through quite, quite carefully. And it also has to be given time to adjust. So when you think about the transition, you also have to think about it in steps. So you have to first prepare, give people a realistic choice. So you have to think about, okay, how do we enable transition? And then, then you go in with all the taxation. But could it be reversed, Frederick, making tax improvement drive sustainability? We can, but that has to be financed somehow. Finance that by still having those who pollute pay even more. In general also, if you pollute, it's very easy to know how much you polluted and therefore how much you're going to pay. The other way around is usually much more difficult, which means that there will be a huge bureaucracy trying to figure out which other services or goods should be have a lower tax rate because they're more sustainable. So, so the reverse is much more difficult to implement than the policy of you pollute, you pay. So if we want to live sustainably, we just have to pay more. I don't think that living sustainable is always more expensive. I can give an example from my own life. I don't have a car. I use public transport. It's an economic question. I save money by doing that. It's also faster. So I save time. I save money. So you change, you change consumption patterns and you also change what we consume. And then services will be priced the same as today or even cheaper. So you think we should work on other improvements before tax? When you talk about agriculture, so agriculture has, I think is like something like 10% of all our greenhouse gas emissions. And a lot of that is meat production. And when you talk to people and you say, well, you might have to have less meat production in the future, a lot of people get upset. Don't touch my meat. And if you then say, yeah, but you know, 30, 40% of all the meat we produce, we actually don't consume. <laughs> Can't we start there? And then they agree, well, that might be a good idea. What do you think we're lacking to become a more sustainable society? If you look historically, we have changed our society enormously over the last century. Social changes, technical changes, political changes. Those changes which hasn't been driven by war and conflict, but are driven by a political process, has always been driven around a political narrative about the future, which is positive. What we now need is a similar narrative about sustainability. When you tell we're doing this because the society we will build is by far much better than the society we live in today. Then I think you can get a lot of people who now are skeptical to come on board. Um, so we have to think broader than just taxing. We have to look at, okay, what is it? Where is the problem? Frederick, had you heard of the ECI before I called you? And what do you think of it? I've heard it mentioned, but that's it. It's my personal experience, citizen initiatives are seldomly representative of people in general. So it's very often a small group of people which can hijack the process. I believe in representative democracy. I believe it's the role of the political parties and the politicians to feel or hear people, meet researchers and hear their ideas and then canalize those into the political process. I know this is also a cultural difference in, in Europe. How accessible are politicians? In Sweden, they are extremely accessible and they have to be. Again, being very Swedish, I more believe in the representative democracy where politicians are very close to uh, to the people that elect and allow themselves to be criticized. I hope the rest of Europe could adopt that, um, <laughs> that culture, that political culture. That might take some work, but thank you so much for joining us on Citizen Central. Well, thank you very much. Well, that brings this edition of Citizen Central to an end. Thank you so much to all our guests and, of course, to you for listening. And if you fancy finding out a little bit more about any of these ECIs, please do check our show notes. And you can also take a look at the ECI website or follow the ECI's individual social media channels. 
And of course, if you want to propose a brand new ECI, you can head over to the ECI forum to learn more about how to get started. I'm Manix Ricard Takawi and you've been listening to Citizen Central.